The tyranny was broken by the sins of the Father, and his shepherds finally ceased to roam, seeking instead the simple peace found in the comfort of heart and home. All eyes now turn to his heir and son, who forged their home with his power. Will he be strong enough to lead them in this, their darkest hour? Welcome back to The Lost Tribe, Darkest Hour. As always, I am the author and your humble narrator, Peter Ivey. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow and subscribe to help me keep bringing the story to you. Thank you for listening, and let's begin. Hello and good morning, and welcome to The Lost Tribe, Darkest Hour. Uh, My name is Peter Ivey, and I am the author of The Lost Tribe series, and I've come to you my first live show this morning, so bear with me as we go. Um, let's see. Well, uh, thank you all for joining me. It's really a great pleasure being here, and I, I have been really awaiting doing this for a long time. I tried something last week that didn't quite work out, but sometimes that happens. Anyway, I wanted to talk to you all today. Um, I wanted to kind of talk about the Lost Tribe a little bit, uh, why I wrote the books, how that came to happen, and share some of the earlier stuff I was digging through the other day, and I found an excerpt of something very cool. So anyway, without further ado, uh, let's see. Uh, First of all, um, when I wrote the first Lost Tribe book, that was back in 2012. So it's been a long time since I kind of touched on that. I edited it again in 2016, and I think it's due for another edit again in 2020, which I've kind of started with. Um, Back then, it was kind of a bet to myself that that I couldn't do it. So I was betting with myself <laughs> that I could, but anyway, that I couldn't write about all the cool things that I absorbed over the years. Um, I'm sure that anybody who is a fan of writers like Rogers Lasney, um, which I, I hope you know, very famous, the Amber series was his and beautiful series. And if you've read my stuff, you can see what an incredible influence that he has been on my books. Uh, you know, I, I read them with my friends and, and my when I was young, and we've actually played a role-playing game based on it for like three days straight. It was wonderful, but anyway, I really loved the kind of timeless, powerful magic that Zelazny channeled in his stuff. It was almost as if you could slip out of your shoes and start walking in the lands he created. You know, he's very descriptive and very interesting. You know, with each gentle slope of a hillside, more every dark cave full of danger. You know, all these wondrous and chaotic things out of legend that made their appearance in his books. You were uh, you were committing to something that had drawn you in. That's, you know, kind of holding you there. Um, and, you know, my desire was not to only capture that experience, uh, but make it my own within my own books, you know. And which is, I think, every writer wants to do that. Everybody at one time or another has been inspired by by another writer or, or someone else. And that's just how how we do. We do things collectively. Um, so, oh, bear with me here. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about the interruption. Um, anyway, so what I was saying is that uh, Mick is the main character of the book, and he will always be my love letter to Zelazny. Um in a lot of ways, uh, Mick has been kind of under construction for many, many years. 
as I think Corwin was under construction for Zelazny for a long time. If you read a lot of his earlier stuff, you know, Corwin was in there. He wore different masks, but he was always there. Um, and make us my love letter to Zelazny. You know, like to him, uh, you know, it was like this, this is what I've done with what you've given me. Um, but, I, you know, I could talk about him. I could talk about Harlan Ellison. I could talk about Neil Gaiman, Stephen King, and all the others who kind of shaped my idea of fantasy for a dozen podcasts easily. However, uh, I kind of wanted to share with you today um, a lot of things about my books and how they came to be. As I said, it was kind of a bet at the beginning. Uh, my illusion at the time about being a teacher had all but deserted me at that point because I wasn't able to support myself. It was kind of a dark time and I didn't like, I didn't like how I kind of lost the joy of being an educator. I loved being a teacher. And I love teaching because, you know, it's one of the joys that I had from when it was very early, you know, very young. And, you know, like every everything I pick up, every book was something new, was something interesting for me. Um, and my favorite subject to teach uh, when I became a teacher had always been writer's craft. And I love nothing more. Uh, I love it when I you see the delight on someone's face when they realize that they made something of their own. That, you know, like um, they, they've created something interesting. Uh, and in fact, I think that was part of why I did it as well. I needed it. Uh, I, you know, like it, it was a, it was a pretty dark time. I ended up uh, moving out of um, the house I've been living in uh, with my with uh, the person I, I thought I'd be with for a long time. But we parted ways and, and that was what happened. And it was kind of. It was pretty bad. So anyway, so at that point, uh, I didn't know if I'd, if I'd be doing much anymore. And I, I'd also kind of fallen away from teaching, too. Uh, I needed, in essence, to refire my soul, as cliche as that may sound. Um, something, needs, something needed to be done. Um, so I, <laughs> it's a funny story, but I, I currently owe the school board I'd working for around $3.50 for the notebooks I had borrowed while on breaks between classes. <laughs> That's where I started fleshing out Mick and the whole crew. Um, it all started with this huge family of, of really powerful, dangerous people that have been called together by this, this ringing, this intonation of the universe that got out and in which they existed. And there was this emanation from a primal, distinct piece of their past that would cause them to work together in some way to unravel its meaning. That was the big arc thinking, of course, not exactly distinct. Uh, the family itself, you know, you've got, um, you know, all the people that I've, I've kind of talked about so far. Some of the others were, were had come afterward, but, you know, you have the, this, this family sitting around a table talking and arguing and trying to figure things out. You know, that, that, was, that was how I envisioned them in the beginning. It got much more action-packed and somewhat darker as we went on, but that was how it went. Um, Mick was always at the head of that table. Uh, and you know, he, 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 depending on how much you've read, um, Mick will always be at the table, no matter what happens. Um, and the other really solid character, the, the, the one that, that had really kind of stuck in uh, with me was Valkyr, of course, uh, Valkyr, my favorite voice of all. <laughs> I, I actually have to take a, um, a cough suppressant or, or a lot of water when I do Valkyr's voice, you know, because Valkyr came about his voice anyway um from the marvelous marvelous actor tony todd which i hope i hope you know or it, 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 if, if you don't think it sounds like tony todd that's okay too it was my best imitation of him 
doing his best Candyman impression. Or um, some of you may know as um, as Worf's brother on Next Generation. He was that's that was one of his smaller parts, but he was Candyman. So if you know that, and I, I, I can't do it justice sometimes. It's very beautiful. But the first time I tried it, um, <laughs> my, my friend Lynn had, had suggested uh, sticking, um, like the godfather, sticking, you know, uh, cotton batting in my mouth to kind of simulate the, the damage that had been done to Falkir's face. I also put a, a scarf around my face as well to kind of simulate the fact that he was talking through this, this thing that was kind of strapped around his face. And, you know, it, it, it was it was good for a little bit, but then I was like, okay, I, I can't breathe. <laughs> I really can't breathe trying to do this. Um, so, you know, it, it became a little bit of a strain. I always kind of strain my throat when I'm doing it, but I, I love Felker. He's, he's kind of one of my more fun creations. Um, but in the very first story, the, the one that one of these that I wrote in a book, they, they fought a duel climbing up a tower in Trelane. Uh, with Felker kind of fully formed into a wolf and Mick pretty much throwing everything but the kitchen sink at him as they, they fought. Um, and there were, there were other characters back then too, like Allison, uh, who, you know, one of my favorite that never made it into the books uh, yet, yet. I still kind of preserve the right. Um, so, you know, she was a young girl with extraordinary abilities that Mick ends up shadowing and acting as a bodyguard as the kingdom, you know, comes hot on their trail to get this girl. Uh, her power was was something akin to um, she twisted the universe around her to the point that uh, if 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 she was personally threatened, something would happen that would stop that outside thing, and it would be like a, a reflex for her um, that would be involuntary. So if you know somebody jumped at her uh, with a with a, a gun, you know, like <laughs> suddenly a tree would fall on that person as they tried to do that. So, you know, I mean, that was, that was a little overpowered. And that's one of the reasons that I kind of kept her in my back pocket because she was that crazy. Uh, you know, she was that powerful. Anyway, so, um, and Allison, you know, like, I, I really kind of want to do something with her one day. Um, maybe if the Lost Tribe continues after, um, after this one is over, perhaps I will get to that. And to be honest with you, I have written a lot more material about the Lost Tribe. It's just, um, it, it hasn't felt right yet. And when it does, well, we'll get another book up there. That's the whole idea. Anyway, so we have, you know, I don't know if, if you know this, but we have The Lost Tribe, The Traveler, which is the first book. The Lost Tribe, Sins of the Father, which is second. And of course, the third book, Darkest Hour. Uh, so, you know, if you're anywhere in the podcast and you find yourself lost, I may want to go back to the beginning uh, with The Traveler and kind of listen to those episodes to get yourself back down. They're also available on Amazon if you feel like uh, being so generous. And, you know, and hey, if you are anywhere within Canada, the U.S., you know, I will sign a copy and send it to you. That, that's entirely, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I love people having the books. I love people enjoying them. I wouldn't have written them otherwise. Anyway, so what I'd like to do today, beyond all this rambling that I've been doing, is I'd like to read you an excerpt of um, what was kind of the first draft that I wrote when I was when I was uh, kind of getting the story together with what I've told you before about the, the, the sound and the, this ring that had gone out in the universe. Anyway, I'd like to read you a little bit of it, and afterward, um, you know, if there's uh, anyone else asking any questions, then podcasting, I will be eager to answer them. 
Okay, so let me find the excerpt here. There we go. So here we go. The blaring sound of a million horns, resonating right down to my core, hit me like a cannon shot as I stumbled into the alley behind the bar with my bottle. The bottle crashed the street as I grabbed my skull, afraid that it was splitting open. Such was the force of that sound. I looked around to see if anyone else was in the alley, and if they heard it as well. A bum slept peacefully a few meters away, so I reckoned that he hadn't heard a thing. It had an aftershot like the sensation of a gong going off directly behind your head, and a vibration that ran all through my nerves. I dropped to my knees, needing very badly to sit down before I fell down. There on the pavement, I could feel the aftershot being replaced by something else. My eyes opened on the alley, but it was gone. Instead, I could see a great broken ruin of a city, ages old, overgrown with vines and surrounded by a lush jungle. The sky was the color of slate, roaring with thunderclouds. A green light flared in the middle of the ruins. The sound was now a harmonious ringing, as if all the players finally found a common ground and were playing a song that I had never heard. But it was familiar nonetheless. In my travels, I had felt something similar when around one of my fellow travelers. It was like meeting someone you once knew very well, but I drifted far enough away that they had become a buried memory of another time, another you. This was so much more. I lifted myself off the ground. This vision faded, but I could still see it if, if I just closed my eyes. Hopefully it would be enough to find that ruined, ancient city again. I was very eager to go there if it even existed. I felt confident. I, I, I feel that it was real. While I dusted myself off, certain realizations came to the fore in my mind. Was that vision just for me, or did the others get it too? Did the strangers send that message? Most importantly, in all my young, in all my long years of wandering, I never really found something that had tied us all together, as if it was reaching out to all of us. But what did that mean? In all honesty, I didn't even know if it would be worth being part of a group again. Falkir and the other psychotics I'd met had kind of soured me on thinking of the others as kin or community. It would be a dangerous trip. I stalked back into the bar, ignoring the grumbling of the bartenders I passed. The other patrons pursuing the opposite sex or busy drinking didn't pay much attention to me as I made my way to the men's room. I nudged my way through the door. I breezed past the sinks and checked the stalls. Empty. I checked the door, but had found it had no lock. I grabbed the bin near the sink and dragged it to the front of the barn at the door. I took off my dusty, bleached coat and riding cloak and stuffed them in the trash. Exercising my power, I focused on a few items and took them into my bags. A long leather jacket and black hoodie. A short blade with a sheath to my clip my... A short blade with a sheath to clip to my belt. A new pair of hiking boots. I quickly dressed myself in the new garments and washed my face down with cool water in the sink. I gazed upon a weather-beaten man in new clothes. My dark brown hair was long, dried out from the desert and tied back, framing my long-bearded face. My blue eyes were looking pretty bloodshot from the arid waste and the heavy boozing that I had partaken in the last couple of days. Heh, <laughs> last couple of years. The t-shirt I wore beneath the jacket was from a reality where Britain's flag included three crowns, one for each warrior king that wore the power structure there. I kept it after buying a kiosk outside the arena where I was cajoled into fighting in a contest held by one of the princes. Oh, the memories. The crowds on stage. <laughs> when the prince's champion head hit the dirt, followed soon after by his corpse. 
Drawing my new blade, I can see how similar it was to the one I used back in that arena. I must have been thinking about it. I felt how lightweight and make it was. At first, I was cursing my luck, thinking it was some kind of replica because of... Well, it was also so clean, but then I ran it across my thumb and found a very keen edge as a droplet of blood oozed out from a thin, clean cut. It was 18 or so inches in length. It was well oiled. As I stood examining it, the door to the bathroom pushed halfway open, the bin nearly spilling over. A young dude in a green mohawk and some kind of band t-shirt stuck his head through and gawked at me from the door. What the hell are you doing here, man? I need to piss, right? I held the knife up to my lips, summoning a little bit of the power to bring that crazy green light to my eyes. I smirked. Shh. Uh, I think I'll use the alley, he said, disappearing from the door. I sheathed the blade and hazarded one last look in the mirror. Gone was the young sailor from Pretty, ready for a fight full of vigor. What replaced him was a world-weary traveler that needed to find something to hang on to. Something that he, that I, could trust. I closed my eyes and turned around to face the black cinder block wall across from the sink. I raised my hands in the air. Drawing on the power within me, bringing it to the fore, I summed it in my mind the image of the ruined city, the jungle, and the sky of that other reality. I had become well-versed in the transition and spoke the words that opened the way in my mind, working the trick that gave me passage. Open this door to the winding path. Light the way where I wish to roam. Cross the seas on infinity for this weary traveler far from home. Green fire rose up in a circle on that wall, and the center block disappeared to play a black... And the center block disappeared to display a black gaping hole. The flames began to rise higher, became more vivid. It was time. I threw the image of the ruined city from my mind into the circle, causing the space to ripple as the image began to resolve and break through. The pressure in the room changed and the temperature changed as the hole in the wall became a doorway. I could feel the moisture in the air of the jungle, the different feel of the elevation of that place. I see it clearly now as I saw it when the crashing sound hit me. There were jungle creepers everywhere amidst a pyramid of city uh, <laughs> amidst a pyramid city of ruined stone it was cyclopean in construction probably laid to ruin many millennia ago giant crumbling arches stretched over laneways filled with rumble, rubble to short dark pyramids which stood nearly 40 feet in height despite the grandiose stone structures there were signs of jungle reclamation everywhere the lush vegetation working a long con to take it all back a strange and forbidding place for a reunion, if it was what this was. I had a feeling that I would be glad to have the blade here. I drew it from his sheath. I decided to take the risk and let forward through the circle. This was the really crazy part. I hit the surface of where the wall should have been and seemed to stop. The space between the realities was infinite. I was there for a second, or maybe, maybe for forever. Then, oh, the inevitable then, I could feel the air on the other side. Time stuttered, shot me forward, drew me back, then held me in place. I felt as if I was stretched across a distance that only my mind could span. If it was that source of the strength that allowed focus, of, if that was the source of the strength that allowed folks such as I to move across, then that was the truly special thing that defined us. We could look into the face of forever and through the patience of a statue, never blink. I shook with the effort and went down on my haunches. I felt the circle snap shut, 
and the power eased out from my fingertips. It was a relief to be free from it. As I understood it, we borrowed the energy from the world around us, which maybe explained why the glitches started popping up whenever we stayed in one place for too long. It was a balance that we shifted by using our powers. The more we used them, the more we borrowed until the balance tipped over and the glitches started. Then the strangers would come, of course. The energy that I released was from another world and I let it go back into this world. I couldn't hold it in for very long after making the transition, but I needed to carry it with me as I crossed over. Otherwise, I think it would be very bad if the energy was gone and I was lost in between. Forever in the big nothing was a bad fate for anyone. Thank you all very much for joining me this morning. Next time, uh, well, we'll have some new material and, uh, and some more stories. Anyway, thank you very much for joining me and hope you have a good day. Thank you. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast. Keep sharing and subscribing to help me keep bringing the story to you. Come back next week for the next episode of The Lost Tribe, Darkest Tower.